You are listening to Living with ADHD and CPTSD. Available on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. Welcome, everybody, to another live uh, broadcast of Living with ADHD and CPTSD. Today, the discussion is going to be on ADHD and CPTSD, which for a lot of people, they do have a tendency to have both, not just the one. Today, I have a special guest with me. Uh, Her name is Jess Kennedy, and she is from Australia, and she has been... (laughs) Happy enough to join us in the wee early morning in Australia on Sunday. So, Jess, thank you for coming online. Welcome to my show. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. And more than yeah, happy no to get problem. up at uh, 4, 4.30 a.m. to be a part of it. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Yeah, I know. Not very often I get people who are up that early um, to come on my show. Because normally I, my, my guests tend to be from U.S. or Canada or the U.K. And the time's a little more reasonable for them. That's but, it, yeah. yeah. It's a good time for me to be up, though, because uh, my dog shouldn't bark because they're still asleep. Um, so it's a good time uh-huh. to do a podcast. So. <laughs> okay, excellent. So, um, as I said earlier, yeah, we're going to discuss uh, ADHD and CPTSD. Um, I... That was the whole purpose, of course, of for my podcast is because I do have both and I suffer from both at the same time and they don't exactly just take turns. Um, so a lot of times I have symptoms and issues with the like an ADHD symptom and having a trauma or a trigger at the exact same time and they mix together and make life very difficult and frustrating and ironically the the word i want i like to use is complicated because cptsd is you know uh complex post-traumatic stress disorder so it's kind of an an ironic ironic word um so why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and some history on your own adhd and cptsd and we'll go from there yeah sure so i um so yeah, so like you said, I'm in Australia, in Melbourne, Australia. Um, so when uh, I was a, like an early teenager, I was diagnosed initially with ADHD. And so that was like the early 90s um, or like late 90s, sorry. And um, in Australia at that time, and I guess around most of the world, ADHD was a diagnosis that was assumed you grew out of. Um, yeah. So that's kind of like, a, a, you know, one one side of my life that was um you know played a really big catalyst into a lot of complex things that happened after that um but you know a lot of the like i said i was growing up as a child i was extremely anxious um you know and had a lot of um you know like i grew up in a family where the expectations were very very high um and the expectations were that um you know my my parents would have a daughter who would 
like to wear dresses, you know, want to grow up and, you know, hang out with their mom and do their makeup and things like that. And my family um, ended up with myself, who um, was absolutely not that. <laughs> and <laughs> kind of as a, as a result, ended up with sort of like these shifting goals as I, as I grew yeah. up. So sort of a lot of expectations that I couldn't quite hit because even if once I tried to hit them, they were moved and, you know, there was sort of that, that kind of thing. So that started to create a, a lot of anxiety um, in me in a very, very noisy mind. Um, and, you know, I was very, very young um, when I um, had like, things like my first drink I was sort of around about 10 years old um yeah. and you know to try and quiet my mind um and you know then once I was diagnosed with ADHD and at the time I was diagnosed with ADHD and depression at about 13 or 14 right. I was medica medicated so highly that I don't actually remember a lot of my teenage years um oh. yeah so I was and then I was sort of scraped through my education and it was, again, it wasn't a lack of intelligence or anything along those lines. It was more that I'd find it boring and um, just kind of not really fit into that sort of square box of normality um, that is expected of kind of like teenagers. So, you know, you'd have groups of people you know, having parties and, um, you know, sleepovers and things like that. And, I'd kind of mask who I was in order to fit into that scenario, but then only to show who I really was and then people not accept that. So again, it was those shifting goals um, right. that I never, never quite reached. So. Mm. Yeah. No, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. That's, I, I understand it, it especially in, in teenage years where there's a lot so much happens it, it mm. you know there's constant change and and you're getting close to adulthood and going into the real life like you know a, a job or or college or and you know a, yeah like all sorts yeah. of possibilities and i can totally understand that absolutely and then you know the other side of things to me is that i was dealing with my own sexuality at the time as well so and i grew up in a very conservative white privileged you know middle to upper class family right. and went to private catholic schools and um you know and and then at the same time was kind of like well i think i might be gay and then not being able to be that because it was you know australia is a lot better now but back then was a very homophobic country and my family were, I think, unintentionally homophobic because that was just kind of built into it. So in the one side of kind of not feeling like I could fit in because of the way my mind worked and the person that I was, the other side of it was that I also had to pretend that I wasn't who I really was. So there was kind of both sides of, of that of that trauma. And um you know, it's just, it's a really complicated way of, of growing up um, because you're never really who you are. Um, and that starts to create not only the complex post-traumatic stress issues, yeah. but it also builds ways in which you start to try and cope um, in not so positive ways, um, which is, you know, 
around things like substance misuse, um, dangerous behaviours, um, anything kind of you can do that gets you out of who you really are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Jeez, wow. Well, man, that's a very... Um, <laughs> it, uh, I'm not even sure what to say, honestly, because I know that it's... Every, everybody experiences this differently. Um, mm -hmm. There's very, very few, if anybody, that has identical ways of how they learn about it and how they deal with it. And, and then there's their symptoms and experiences that happen because of it. And then on top of it, like, you know, CPTSD coming in, it, it really, it's just like it, it's, you're, you're already being held down and then somebody jumping on top of you and and then not wanting to get off, you know? Like, you mm. can't get them off. There's nothing you can do. It, yeah. it really does make life very difficult. And yeah, I've seen and it's, it's so many... Interesting. Yeah, yeah go, go, go on. So I was just going to say, it's interesting with, you know, the CP, um, CPDFC because, you know, that wasn't a thing really like people didn't understand same they didn't understand ptsd really properly until you know in the last sort of 15 years yeah. people don't really understand complex post-traumatic stress or how it can actually build um and it's just you know it just builds layer by layer by layer um throughout your entire life um you know and, and it's just this series of events that are generally based around something you know it, i guess i kind of look at where mine began is just that you, I started to create a way in which I could relate to people um, and, you know, try and get that um, approval constantly from my family, from my friends yeah. and never quite getting it. And then not quite knowing what to do as I went through that. And it wasn't until I was diagnosed with complex post-traumatic stress and started to go through the healing journey of that through, you know, psychology um, and just peeling away at kind of the person and the way I, the person I was and the way my mind worked, um, that I started to really understand the trauma of what I'd gone through as I grew up. Because I think a yeah. lot of people think of think of trauma in like a violent um, way or, um, you know, really specific event that might have happened to cause that. Whereas in reality, when it's, it's complex post-traumatic stress, it's a build of things. There's a number of events or it's, it's a series of years and years and years where um, it just creates this way in which your mind works. Um, and totally. it's, yeah, it's a really, it's, it's a really difficult thing to have. Um, and, you know, the triggers from it, even, even now, like, you know, I'm doing like very intensive psychology around building resilience and kind of understanding things from my past but yeah. i still have scenarios that that trigger me and i will almost like i call them a blackout but um where you, i will disassociate from the situation because it panics me so much um that you know of something and in those states things will happen that i don't remember um and then i'll come out of it and i'll be like oh everything's fine again and someone will say to me what I've said or done in those states, which could be, you know, things that could be quite shocking to people to hear, but in reality, yeah. isn't actually who I am. Um, and if that person, you know, who hears that doesn't understand, 
it can be quite confronting and you know they they may do something you know because they they feel you're going to do something silly they may then you know try and do things to try and help you and actually you don't need help because once it's passed you're fine um so it's yeah very very complex no kidding absolutely (laughs) it i know um i've I've only been, I think it's been probably entering my third year here where mm-hmm. I've understood, like I've, I realized and, and started to learn about my own CPTSD and it, it's not something that you just like when you go to school and you read a book or, or you have a teacher show you something on the board and, and eventually you learn it and, and you go, okay, I, I understand. And then you're able to reproduce. It's not a simple thing. I, for the longest time, I had extremely difficult, you know, time understanding how and why it was happening and where it's, where it came from. And, and then when I would get triggered and I'd be blended and, and, or I'd be dissociating because it, it'd be like the the present time or, or my thoughts that I was having were like too much to handle. So I would either, you know, find a way to get away from them and, and think of something or, or have happy thoughts or 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 do like um like eat out of you know, to stress eating, like, you know, instead of instead of dealing with it and and sitting there with my with my trauma, I would I would find ways to just to get away and to dissociate. Mm. And it was it was always difficult at the beginning. And to some time, some days it, it still ha- is hard to, to get into hard to, hard to grasp. But especially in the at the beginning, it was it was really hard to to understand just how easy it was to be to become triggered or to to not feel safe and i was so used to the way things were for such a long time that to me this this was normal like it it felt like normal like i thought it was me like i i always thought me getting angry at someone and saying things that were hurtful or or sounded really childish that that people would look at you and just go what are you saying that for that doesn't like what you know yeah. do you realize what you're saying and and yep. and I always thought well that's me that I'm that's the reality and 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 it took a long time to to understand and to finally admit and accept that for a long time for of my life and daily for a large period, large period of it, it, that was not reality. That that was a skewed reality based on like past trauma and and often being triggered yeah. and blended. And I didn't. It was difficult to just see that and go, yeah, I understand. And then and on top of it all, know what to do, like how to how to take care of it, how to to fix that so that mm. in the future instead of dissociating and running away or or saying something that was inappropriate to, to somebody 
you would you would be able to recognize that something's wrong. I'm triggered. I feel I don't feel safe. Instead mm. of just pretending or ignoring it and you know moving forward like I always did in the past, I I have to learn to step away and and like there's words like I need to process, I need to work on this. I need I need to take time and and sit there and and feel it or do do the work that I've been given like the therapist says, yeah. do, do this work, ground, do grounding techniques so that you can, you know, that you're able to come out of this and, and not be blended. And then, and then you can see it from an adult's point of view. It's, it's not an, it's not easy. It is, it's never mm. been something that you can just pick up and go, I, I got it. And then, and then you never have it again because it's so, yeah. it's like the word is, it's so complex. There's so many little roads and, and unknown uh, places that you don't even realize your trauma is coming from or, or the complexity of how, how it's built and designed. And especially because of the fact that it's been so long, it's mm. not like it's, it's two years of trauma and, and there's very little to, to fall back on. There's a lot of, there's a lot of past oh. and it's oh, not like you're yeah. going to remember it all. You're not going to go, oh, okay, mm. I have my 40 some years of trauma and here we are. It's, it's never that yeah. simple. Yeah. It's not like you turn around and you're like, oh, there you go. We'll just fix that 20, 25, 30 years of your life and you can just yeah. move on. It's, um, you know, like the, the progress I've made with it. And again, it's sort of the combination of, you know, being re-diagnosed with ADHD and, and I also mm. have like bipolar and, um, right. which, you know, I'll go into in a moment, but the complex post-traumatic stress and I was diagnosed with it. I had no idea what it was. Um, and I had to do like a, a bit of research into it. And, um, when I did, I was like, okay, this is, this is interesting. And when I started to do psychology, which was, um, you know, I'm coming up to 12 months. So my psychologist is going to get a card soon because she's outdone every other person who's tried to do therapy with me. So, um, but she, um, she kind of has worked really hard with me to build kind of what does make me feel safe and what understanding yeah. triggers and, um, and, you know, part of that was for me, was which was really complicated, was that I had to make really difficult decisions about who was close to me and who was safe for me to be around, which actually resulted in me completely distancing myself from my immediate family um, because right. that, that trauma and, and those triggers just when I was around them would build. Um, and I would get to a point where it, I would either be angry, I'd burst out in anger, or it was panic attacks, anxiety. And then for me, being in recovery from substance misuse and CPTSD was a huge trigger for me with substance use. You know, it, I'd get those feelings and I'd be like, I don't want to feel this. I can't feel it. This is hurts. I'm not safe. And so learning how to not just numb that with drugs and alcohol and instead creating situations that are safe um mm -hmm. you know I, that's what i had to do and you know that was one of the most difficult things i had to do was just be like you know what these people aren't safe for me um and yeah. that you know and and so i had to i had to move away from them um and you know in addition to that i also keep my circle of people like friends and things like that very tight um and because outside of that you know and i still have it now is that 
you know, I, I try my hardest, it's a weird thing, it's, it's like I try my hardest to have zero expectations of people because I don't want to be disappointed. So I go into things thinking, you know, everything's going to be awful. And that way, when it's good, I feel better. Um, but, you know, I've put trust and, um, you know, assumptions in with friendships every now and then, especially recently, only to have those then hurt me. And I've been like, okay, well, actually that person wasn't safe. But now instead of being really hurt to the point where I want to, you know, lapse or relapse in my recovery, I actually now look at that situation and say, okay, well, why has that person done that? And I can look at the you know, there was a situation a couple of months ago and I can look at the person who did hurt me and say, well, actually they might be, well, they probably are going through what I've been through, but they haven't addressed it haven't recovered from it and i feel sorry for them for not addressing that for example so i kind of look at it in a more holistic view um which i've never been able to do before um so whilst it triggers and it does all kinds of things to you i can reflect down the line and say okay well actually you know that's not my fault yeah. that's you know, I, I kind of draw a line in the sand, I guess, and be like, actually, you know what, that's that's not my fault. That's not, you know, I reacted in a way that wasn't right, but I can't help that because of who I am. But actually, in those situations, the people who have hurt me, they've got their own journey um, and they need to deal with their own things. And again, in recovery, what I've had to learn is that I can't control anybody else, anybody else's feelings, anybody else's judgments, any other, other people's stigma thoughts, you know, I can only control what I do and Absolutely. I can work on controlling in the way I think. And once I started to go, this is, you know, this is really important, things did get start to get a lot easier. Right. Yeah, for sure. Now, there's one thing. See, I've, I've been doing the Twitter, like on Twitter for with this with the show for just over a year now. And I've noticed now I'm not saying that this is a this is common with a lot of people. I'm I'm saying that there's always a percentage or a small number where they they don't take ownership of, of their problem. They it, whether it's the ADHD, whether it's their their trauma, they often it's a number of things. They either don't realize, they don't admit to themselves that, that there's an issue. They yeah. blame other people for the problem. Um, they never, they, they always say, nobody ever understands. Nobody ever wants to help me. Um, every time, like people are always like, have this misconception about, about this. And they use that as their, Okay, I'm going to say it they, as their excuse for some of their behavior. And instead of owning it and saying, okay, yeah, like, I, I realize I'm, I'm going to get triggered in certain situations. Uh, I'm or I'm going to have times where I'm going to forget something. It, you know, I'm, I'm going to be so busy with something or I'm going to get super focused on what I'm working on. And I time's gonna f I may have time fly by or somebody's gonna come up to me like let's just say my partner comes up to me and 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 says it gets a bit angry or frustrated because 
we, there was something that we were had to do that was very important and because of whatever reason you know uh forgetting about it or or getting too focused i forgot and yeah yeah right like inst inst and instead of saying oh i'm so sorry you're right i i should have uh i should have made a reminder or i should have had an, an alarm or something or i sh you know i should have been able to to realize that there's a tendency that there's this chance good chance that i'm going to forget and and it's yeah. going to cause problems yeah they have to, they, absolutely they don't they don't do that enough they a lot of them will will be like well, why didn't you come and say something, or, or why are you getting so angry at me? Like they, 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 they get triggered and they start acting like their behavior changes, and they, they don't do enough, or they don't, they don't accept the reality of. Okay, look, you have, you're going to have ADHD moments, or you're going to get. There's going to be situations where you could potentially get triggered because. Absolutely you know you've had this in the past like somebody in your was abusive or someone was was treating you improperly or took advantage of you and and you have to be prepared for these sort of things you can't just like it's it's one thing to to have ADHD or to be to, to know that you're that there's a CPTSD, but if you don't do anything about it or you don't try to, well, sometimes you can't minimize like you can't minimize yeah. things sometimes. Uh, um, yeah, you know, it's not like we're going to just it's it's going to be some magic pill or like a therapist is going to give us give us homework and we're going to go do it a couple nights and all of a sudden we're just going to like have the answer, but. Mm -hmm if we don't do something like if we don't take care of ourselves, like you said it yourself, right? You can only worry about what you do about your, about yourself. If you worry about what other people think, then it's, it just makes it much so much harder because uh, yeah, absolutely. yeah, that's half, that's half the battle. Because if you, if you constantly worry about what this person's going to say, what that person's going to tell you, uh, how that person is going to treat you and you, and you grovel to them or, or you um, forego like your own needs. Like, you know, you, you have to take care of yourself or you want to go and watch a movie or, or just relax. And if, if yeah. you don't allow yourself to do that because this person is controlling you or you're, you're scared to say no, that's, that's not good. That's, that, that's, that's not a safe yeah. boundary and it's it one thing it's it's showing a sign that you're you're triggered or or your your system you're not you're not handling it in, in an adult like way and at the other time you're not being true to yourself and you're not showing yourself like you're triggered you know you're triggered you're not showing your system that you can take care of yourself you can yeah. do and that. I you think, can do the right thing. Yeah, and yes, all I completely agree with everything you just said. And I, I feel like um you're explaining things in a way in which I feel and then when I you know, when you try and explain it to other people that are, who don't go through the same thing, they don't really get it. Um yeah. but I, I just wanted to say before I kind of move on to some of the other things you said is that, you know, I think there is and again this is something like how I used to feel in, you know, throughout my whole life, is that you know, there's a lot of bliss in ignorance, you know, not um, realizing mm -hmm. 
that you have a problem or an issue or something that you need to deal with and people do become comfortable in that yeah. in that trauma um and again, which is which is part of it and it can be really hard when you're actively dealing with yours and you're building your resilience and the, the person who you are and then somebody around you you can and you can see it you can see it in other people and you can be like and hear the way that they speak the way they act the way they react to things and yeah. they sit in that and they don't fix it and that can be very very frustrating but again it's, it's you know realizing like what you can and you can't have control over and yeah. it's interesting the way in which that crosses over with ADHD because it, you know it's it, ADHD is a lot more complicated than people realize so absolutely you know um you know and one of the things at the moment and you know it's, I think it's wonderful that there is this awareness now around ADHD and that you know people especially our women are uh, being re like diagnosed as they're older um because they're inattentive and as a child that was never recognized and so they've gone through their life really struggling and then they're getting diagnosed later um either because of this awareness or their children are diagnosed and it's kind of you know this crossover where they're like oh okay actually i think i might have that and i think that's great and you know, and that was like myself being re-diagnosed when I was older. Um, and I know you were diagnosed, um, you know, that recently as well. So yeah. is, it's great that that awareness has been built and that, you know, we can start to, you know, like in my case, rebuild what was a very chaotic and dangerous life. Um, but at the same time, people don't necessarily take it seriously because the way in which it is portrayed in things like the media um in uh, you know whether it be like the news media or specifically social media is that it's this really fun you know hilarious thing that you've got and you're really funny and you know people love you and you know and you look you know you lose concentration because you see a squirrel out the window where it's actually you know it's debilitating if it's not yeah. treated properly um and you know and so where that crossover is with both adhd and complex post-traumatic stress is that you know you've had this life where if either you're so, so for example in my case i was diagnosed as a child and then at 17 said all right you've grown out of it now so we're going to take your medication off of you we're going to stop your psychology and i can see now in hindsight that that was a catalyst for my beginning of having any issue like major issues with substances so it's like right. that bit got cut off and then everything came back the anxiety came back there you know feeling like i didn't fit in um and i just i couldn't work i couldn't you know i'd have it i had a job i never went to university or anything like that because i felt like i couldn't um mm. so i worked but i couldn't actually work because <laughs> i couldn't concentrate and so that self-medication so i'd have these days where like i wouldn't concentrate and i wouldn't be able to get anything done and then i would feel awful about that because i was like I haven't hit people's expectations and then you know like that trauma starts playing and it was both of them crossing over and so the only way I could get out of that feeling was to drink or use drugs right. um and so I led for about 14 years you know a very high functioning life whilst taking a very serious amount of substances um and nobody realized what was happening so they would see me on a weekend and I'd be the drunkest or the most ridiculous person and they'd be like, oh, Jess is so funny. Um, you know, she's a party animal and all this stuff. But in reality, it was happening seven days a week. 
um, and it eventually started happening during the day as well. Until and mm-hmm. so I was leading this high functioning life, doing really well, but using such a severe amount of substances in order to do well um, that I didn't really realize I had a problem until that high functioning level became problematic. Um, right. And you know, I then I was I was caught using drugs at work. I lost my career, and then I got a new job, and then I lost that, and got another job, and I lost that. Um, and then, you know, everything just started to spiral out of control and I, I tried to get help. So I, I would go to psychiatrists and I'd say to them, look, I am using substances, but I'm using them to live. Like I'm using them to be able to get through the day. I was diagnosed with ADHD as a child. I need to be re-diagnosed as an adult. And I was labeled a drug seeker. I was refused treatment, um, and just flat out just ignored. And as a result, you know, I went to three or four different psychiatrists and the same thing said to me that then it started to just make me feel worse and worse and worse, you know, to the point where, you know, depression, you know, I, I had suicide attempts. I was then using right. a very high amount of substances that, um, that again, I, I was so close to just being the end. I kind of looked at my life and, and, you know, it was in 2020 that things changed, but it was April, end of April, 2020. I was sat on my kitchen floor at 4am, isolated from the pandemic, isolated from everyone around me because of who I'd become as a result of, you know, my addictions that I was like, I need to get help. And so I reached out and got that help six seven weeks later i would manage to get into a psychiatrist and i said to myself all right this is the last time i'm going to do this and i went to a psychiatrist and he saw straight through the addiction mm. and said to me yeah you've been self-medicating and it's because of the adhd so we're going to get you re-diagnosed and we're going to very carefully work with your medication because of the issues i've had with addiction so you know, carefully along with my other mental health issues is that we built, you know, the medication side of things found the right dosage. And now my life is functional. It's positive. It's I'm able to work. I'm, you know, I'm a contributing member of society and, you know, I'm able to, to be the person now who I never could be when I was growing up. And, you know, there's not, there's still a little bit of masking, but it's not to the degree that it used to be. And right. through being able to be who I am, that's helped me start to resolve a lot of that complex post-traumatic stress, um, you know, life that I was that I was living. Yeah, no kidding. Mm. It's it sounds like you've been through so much in that time frame that your experiences and just the, like. You you came to a realization, you know, like that one you 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 believed that you you required these all this different uh, you know addictive like drugs and and alcohol in order to to help yourself to make you you know feel like a person like a, a you know and. You know, nobody. I think nobody realizes, or, or maybe they do, and they, and it's just the 
the desire or the or that that need to feel normal is is so strong that they they do it anyways they it's the damaging effects that it that it's doing at the same time yeah. it it's that's it's 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 really sad and unfortunate that that's what ends up happening and you know it doesn't take much you look at all the all those all these famous people in the past who you know we don't realize we had no idea that they that they were going through what they're what they're dealing with right it could have been a lot of trauma it could have been just mm due to what they're doing or maybe something in their past that was pushing them or making them feel inadequate or, or that they weren't just, they weren't enough. And then they get into the, the drugs or they get into the alcohol and they're damaging their system. And all of a sudden one day they're they're they die and it's way too soon. And everybody's like, I had no idea. Yeah, and a lot yeah, of them absolutely. weren't. Yeah, and and the thing is, yeah. is a lot of them weren't willing or weren't ready to ever talk about it. Like, I can't imagine too many of them. All of a sudden, one day, would just say, "I'm I'm struggling. I, I I'm I can't help. I can't do anything about this. I need help." Mm. And be vocal about it and verbally tell people. Like I know yeah. more and more people. I I actually it's it's interesting. I just. I was listening to a podcast uh, a couple of days ago and there's more people in the music industry that are finally saying enough, right? There, there, there's, there's too much, um, in like too much being put on them, too much pressure to, to mm. constantly be working and constantly be doing, doing music and, and touring day after day after day and, and never getting a break and never having family time or never being able to take time for themselves. And they're stepping away and, yeah. and right in the middle of, of tours and saying, we're going home. We can't do this any right now. We need time for yeah. ourselves because it's too, it's too mental, too stressful mentally. And, and they're standing up and saying, I need to take time for myself. Where twenty yeah. years ago, there would they they would have been way too scared to to even think about it, and who knows yeah. where they could have been. It's nice to Absolutely. see. It's, yeah, it's, it is. Yeah, it's good because yeah. you know, and it's you know, with addiction, and we've got a very long way to go with that around stigma, but you know, around mental health, um, um, you know, things are like spoken about now, um, yeah. and that is fantastic. You know, because like I grew up in a world where anxiety you know, so I really knew what that was and you still get that classic, you know, can't you just not be anxious about that? And it's yeah. like, well, actually, no, that's not quite how it works. Um, exactly. But yeah, you're right. Like being able to like, you know, self-care being something that people talk about really actively is, is really positive and recognizing yeah. in yourself when you do need to take a step back. And that's again, like a really big thing that I had to learn because you know, with my ADHD, like I was like, okay, yeah, I can do this, I can do that, and I'll, I will work really hard, and I'll, you know, do this stuff because I love it. Um, but actually, I'll burn out if I do that. Um, and you know, specifically, I actually work in the addiction and mental health field now, so I work um, as what we call a lived experience peer worker, which I think in Canada is is pretty common. Um, it's very, very new in Australia. Um, and you know, I I work with people who stood where I once stood. 
And I love that. And I love that I can use my past to help people, my own experiences. But at the same time, I have to have very strict boundaries around the way in which I work and be able to switch off when I need to, because if I don't do that, then, you know, I, I will not be okay. Um, and so I have to really balance that. And that's something that is talked about more and, and people are starting to do. Um, and I think that's really good, but I think reaching out for help, um, in, in a crisis or when your life is at the level where it's unmanageable, whether it's due to substances, whether it's due to undiagnosed ADHD, whether it's due to trauma that hasn't been addressed or, you know, mental health diagnoses or misdiagnoses, that is still very stigmatized, you know, like, so people talk about mental health and they love that. And they're like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm I'm sorry you have anxiety, but actually the minute someone is in a mental health crisis, people don't know what to do. Um, And it's, you know, they don't realize that actually an actual sort of really big mental health issue can be terrifying and dangerous and people don't quite know how to deal with that and that's something you know that's sort of the next step i think that you know the world really needs to take yeah i think that like there's there's two big examples uh that happened last year in athletics that unfortunately is proof that we 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 have a long way to go as as a society when it comes to mental health um, you, you may have heard about this. I'm not, I'm not sure, but, uh, there's two examples, uh, ten, tennis star, Naomi Osaka and gymnast from the U S, uh, Simone Biles, they yeah, both stepped yeah. away because of, they needed time to, to deal with mental health issues. And they both received a lot of flack for it. Like it, it, it no, the, you know, like there were a lot of people out there that were were supportive and saying, "Good for you, you know, take take time for yourself. You need to do, do to deal with this." And then there were a lot of people, like media, and I think even the association, like for tennis especially, there yeah. was a lot of negative um, like fallback because she was taking yeah. time for herself instead of competing and 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 people like they they couldn't understand why she was she was doing this and and like mm. with Simone like at the same time she she stepped away from the olympics and they're all going yeah why you know like it, it was yeah. it was really a lot of mixed uh, feelings and ex- some some people accepting it and some people thinking that that that's not right you know like it it's, yeah, we haven't and gotten with, to a point yet. Yeah, Simone. Yeah, and with Simone especially, like you know, she was open about her ADHD diagnosis from memory. I, and I'm not sure. There was she, you know a lot of conversation. Yeah, I don't remember yeah. the details of it, but she just—I just remember she stepped away from the Olympics, the the team yeah. com- competition, and there was a lot of mixed feelings, especially in the U.S. Yeah, I think people would look at that as being like, you know, you've got this privilege where like, you know, you can go and do this. Like, why would you step away? Um, But actually, it's really positive. And, you know, that person, they put themselves first and put themselves Mm -hmm. ahead of their their career. Um, Because if you don't look after yourself, you don't have a career. You know, exactly. and, and, you know, it's like with, with me, with my re- recovery, it's, it's, if I don't have my recovery, I have nothing. Um, and it's no different to a, you know, a famous sports person or a singer or, 
um, yeah. you know, anyone who's, who's in the public eye, like they only have that opportunity if they look after themselves. If they don't look after themselves, and they no longer have that opportunity. So putting yourself first is really important. Um, yeah. And it's a really important lesson to learn. And when people who are in the media spotlight do that, yeah, there is this judgment and things like that. But a, a lot of us, you know, I, I, I think the statistics in Canada are the same, but we said that like one in, one in four, one in three people will suffer from a mental illness at some point in their life. Yeah, and really that's, that's almost everyone, do you know what I mean? And so to look at somebody stepping away and, and doing self-care and looking after themselves, I think a lot yeah. of people will, will you know, look at that in a negative way because they don't do that when they should be. Um, and, you know, they don't recognize it. So, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of, I'm just looking at this, at this website right now and showing all these musicians who have uh, dealt with uh, mental health issues. And mm. it's quite surprising, to be honest. I, I didn't even realize how many there were. And oh, it's, yeah. it's quite, it's quite incredible. And there's a lot of names on here that are surprising, but it then at the same time, it's it's i'm i'm happy that there are so many because it's when you think about it it means that they're they are willing to to come out of this fear of being you know of of negative um reinforcement or or the or the media or their fans mm. saying like why you know like you you're you're supposed to be there for us you're but you're making you know like it's it's a lot better today and so they're not afraid mm. to 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 speak out about it or take time away for themselves yeah and it's yeah. the only problem is that there's just there's, there's a, such a long way to go because there's still people out there who who don't think it's appropriate or or the stigma or the negative oh their, yeah their i mean thoughts stigma, and views on it. yeah stigma is 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 so dangerous and I, I mean I'm yeah. part of a campaign in Australia um, at the moment it's called rethink addiction and mm. it's about rebuilding the way the world you know or Australia at the moment it looks at addiction and instead of seeing that and it's same exactly the same as mental illness or neurodivergency it, it's looking at the person not what they're doing um, and that you know that, that like this action that they're doing here um, is not actually you know that's that's not actually who they are. They're doing yeah. that for a reason because they're in pain, because they have trauma, because they can't find any other way to help themselves. So yeah, they do jump on the substance abuse um, path or the self-harm path or, you know, um, and, you know, any kind of dangerous behavior path because they found no other way to, to help themselves. Um, and it's, you know, with mental illness, the, the stigma around that, um, you know, it's, it's better. Um, and the stigma around ADHD is better, but people also don't understand or want to see the other side of it and what people's lives are like if they don't look after themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's easy and, and the, you know, the stigma exists, you know, in the media, um, it's better than it was, but actually the stigma we have within the people who are close to us um, yeah. can be the biggest impact, but we also have a stigma inside ourselves um, you know, when you, when you have, a, you know, ADHD is, is the stigma you have in yourself is you, you are saying to people, actually, I can't sit here and at a desk and do my job. 
I need to be able to get up. If you're going to teach me something, I need to learn differently. Um, so mm-hmm. you're, you're having to admit to people that you can't do the thing that society wants you to do and that you have to do it a little bit differently. And again, whilst we're starting to accept that everybody does think a little bit differently in order to, to function, to survive, it's still a complex topic and there's still this yeah. um, feeling that, you know, people speak, again, specifically with ADHD, it's, it's do you, you know, when you start a new job, do you tell people that you have ADHD? Um, I know. And really, you should tell people because so that you can do what you need to do in your job. But also, people will see someone with ADHD and be, you know, oh, God, they're going to be a nightmare. They're, they're going to, you know, interrupt everybody. All the work's going to drop and um, your productivity will drop. Whereas in reality, if you let us tell you what works for us and how our learning styles work, when we are the most productive and um, all that kind of stuff, then actually none of that happens. <laughs> Um, yeah. you know, a good example of that for me is that, you know, I know that between the hours of 7am and 1pm, I will be 20 times more productive than I will be from 1pm onwards. Um, right. so that's kind of, you know, I, I know that about myself. So I need to have jobs where I can shift my hours, um, so that I can be productive and, you know, be able to do what I need to do. And then accept that, okay, in the afternoons, I need to do something a bit different because my brain will then be done for the day. Um, and then I need to move on to something else. So, you know, I, I control my work in that, you know, I will do as much paperwork, numbers, anything that needs to be done that requires specific attention in the morning. So yeah. that in the, so then in the afternoon when my, my, you know, I'm unable to concentrate on those things, I can then deal with people. Um, you know, and it's like kind of understanding those different styles. Right. Yeah. I think there's so many people out there that are afraid to speak up Mm -hmm. and it's despite all the progress that we've made, uh, not every country in the world has the same point of view or same feelings, of course, on mental health which is a lot of the problem because more progressive countries that have, well, more democratic societies and, you know, like, like the U S and Canada and, and Australia and, and the UK, (coughs) although they're, they're a little bit behind in Mm -hmm. acceptance, but Mm. still some, a lot of the more, progressive places have a much better understanding and much more acceptance. Whereas there are a lot of countries out there that are to the, are at the point where they don't even like admit or accept it, or even like tell anybody that it's, that it's real, that they, they yeah. deny it or they dismiss it as a, as a figment of someone's imagination or whatever. But it, yeah. even here, like, media and and movies and tv shows it's a mix like i've i remember i I don't know the names of them off the top of my head but there there have been a couple tv shows that in the past they would they would make fun of of people who had um different mental illnesses whether it was adhd or they were bipolar or schizophrenia or they or they were dealing with trauma their mm. attitudes towards it were today completely unacceptable. 
Yeah. And and then they come out. There was a show. I think it was four years ago mm-hmm. that came out. It's, it was called Atypical. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah about yeah. The, the 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 young adult who who has autism and he and his mm. family. You can see the parents struggling, and yes. they don't. They just some days they don't know what to do, right? And he's got mm. his own way of living, and he has a girlfriend, and the girlfriend is completely accepting of him despite his his autism, and yeah. yet there's this. You know, like a lot of people, I'm sure when they're watching it, their first thought is, what a strange person. He His, his way yeah. of life and his, how he does things and how he's he d- makes decisions and his obsessiveness with like penguins and, and the South Pole. Like, yeah. It, it, people, people look at that and... and it, it it makes them go hmm or they or they're they really wonder or they're really curious and yeah and you know i think as far as i know like i've i don't know if if australia has has made any kind of tv show uh regarding trauma or anything i, I have no idea i know that in the u.s there really hasn't been a show that's that's dedicated to that mm-hmm. um but that's that's something that really hasn't been done. Like there's been movies with people who have, who have had it. Um, but they don't really, it, the way that they present it and the way that the, that the other characters look at it and, and is different. Like it's, it's come, it's come quite a ways because I know that there were times even like, I know this isn't to do with mental health, but there were points when, um, people who were or gay like or you know like mm. the, the way they presented them in tv shows and movies is way different and 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 completely inappropriate compared yeah. to today and, yeah oh absolutely yeah and it, yeah yeah i completely agree with you it's, it's sort of yeah the yeah in the lgbtqi community you know yeah. in my community you know the way in which we're portrayed on tv sometimes like that's not who we are like you know yeah. that you know a lot of relationships, um, homosexual relationships, have a happy ending. <laughs> like you know, yeah. like it's not, it's not everything is not dramatic, and it's sort of this really weird way of looking at it. Whereas now you are starting to get, you know, films and TV shows that show things in a positive light, and that's that's fantastic. When it comes yeah. to mental health, I mean, me and myself being diagnosed with bipolar one, um, you know, and I had I'm predominantly manic, um, and people don't really understand what that that means and people you send someone oh, i've got bipolar and they're like oh you're crazy like you're insane mm. you you're gonna you're a nightmare and really actually when you are medicated properly you live a very functional normal <laughs> you know it's a very like productive life and yeah. you know it's it's not it's not what it's shown on the on the tv like some stuff you know um the tv show shameless right so there's very extreme right um views on on mental health that actually shows you know that there's a mum in that who has bipolar and that's actually a very accurate portrayal of what bipolar is if it's not medicated so it's that up here where you know um you're just chaotic and all this stuff's happening and then if you're not medicated you drop back down again and you may not come out of that depression for months um so that portrays it really really well and um and you know in one season the mum in that she checks herself in to somewhere so she can get help 
um, and stepped back and it was that self-care model. And I remember watching that going, you know, this is fantastic. This is a very good portrayal of someone who needs help and has decided to get help um, and then shows the pattern of them being functioning down the line. Um, and so I could, you know, I can look at myself and, and go, you know, when I wasn't medicated and diagnosed, then I was just, you know, I mean, I look back now at some of the things I did in states of mania and I'm just like, my God, like how did, I, you know, how did, it, you can't just describe bipolar as like when you're, when you're depressed, it's like you want to die, but you can't be bothered. When you're manic, mm. you feel like you can't die. Um, so you do so many things that are just so dangerous um and you know that's kind of and then you drop back down again but when you are medicated you know you still have those highs and lows but they're more manageable and they don't go for as long and they aren't as dangerous um so you know to have that portrayed correctly in the media is you know really important and it's the same with anything it's neurodivergency of people on the autistic spectrum and you're right atypical is a very good example of someone who has that who is very functioning but yeah, you know, got these, these quirks and, you know, because of, you know, who they are and, you know, so neurodivergency and, and, and things like that is, you know, is getting better. Um, but yeah, with mental health, I think there's still a bit of a way to go. So, um, oh, yeah. but yeah, we're on the right path, I think. So <laughs> Yeah, I think, I think the way the, the first thing, and, and it is starting, but the first thing that has to change in order for it to really improve is... The people that we look up to, like media, uh, movie stars, uh, um, musicians, and and politicians, even like it, it that's mm. the hardest one. But a lot people who are in are ex, are exposed to every to everybody, and they have opportunities to to say something or to to speak out and 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 give their opinion or their thoughts about on whatever even if it's through their own experiences and themselves saying yeah i i suffer from mental health problems i i am this or right or or just doing a, a monthly or a, or a weekly kind of support you know like it's exposing it to people and and trying to normalize that mental health is extremely common and i think that's what people don't understand and don't realize is that it's way more common today at any point it was but it's 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 a lot more common than we know like yeah because i think there are still people out there who believe that it's a small percentage of the population that deals with mental health issues and the reality is is that it's a lot higher and it's just because so many people still are afraid to say something yep and until those people who are afraid you know they they then like myself go down a path because they don't want to admit that that you know they they have a problem because of pride or because of judgment so then you will go down a path that can be you know very problematic and yeah you know that's you know and that's i think that's just so sad because you know it's it's, it's specifically to addiction it's about 86 percent of people who have a substance misuse disorder also have a mental health issue um and yeah. that's what needs to be addressed in order to address the substance misuse because the two go hand in hand and so you know it's really hard to admit that you have a problem so whether it's, it's again in addiction or whether it's just simply a mental health and, and saying you know 
these things keep happening to me. Like I'm playing with complex post-traumatic stress. It's like, I keep panicking at this thing. These tiny things are making, I sit, I always think someone's mad at me or, um, and as a result of that, I, I do this. And, you know, you to, to try and explain that to some people, they're not going to understand that. But no. if you, if you are able to get help and that, and that's also the thing is access and removing barriers to treatment, um, you know, your life does get manageable and you can move forward and, you know, things will be okay, but it's, it's, it's explained to people that it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to admit that you are struggling and it's okay to look at that from a medical point of view. Um, it's okay to look at that from a holistic point of view. It's about going down different journeys and different paths to find out what is right for you. Not everyone will get on with psychology. Not everyone will get on with medication. It might be that they need to go down a different, like a spiritual path. It's, you know, yeah. no one's recovery in any sense is linear it's never the same and it's accepting that everybody's a, a bit different and when we do accept that the world is a lot easier for people like you know yourself and me and you know and the one in three one in four people around the world who are suffering it makes the world a lot easier to navigate and i think mm -hmm. that's very important absolutely absolutely it's i guess it's something it's something that's going to take people being less afraid to say something to speak up mm, yeah. but i think a lot of it and 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 i'm not picking on on older people but it, a lot of it is a generational oh i'd pick, i'd pick on them you're absolutely right yeah yeah it's, yeah it's a, genera it's a generational thing yeah yeah, yeah absolutely like, and, you know for lack of education yeah yeah because they like my my family is is a pretty good example to be honest um mm -hmm. they grew up there there was a lot of a lot of family members in 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 it and in that family and they grew up uh with the understanding that and and this is obviously common uh, um everywhere is that you don't speak about your feelings or you don't talk about your your problems if if you're dealing mm -hmm. with something you keep it to yourself and yeah. you can talk to it maybe with your priest or, 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 the, or your church person or, mm -hmm. you know, like, or, or maybe you can talk to it with your mother, but even then. Don't be public about it. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. And now more and more people of course are starting to come out, like say that, yeah, I'm dealing with, with this problem and mm. I'm, there's a good percentage of those uh, in that generation that are, you know, going, I don't know, you know, you really yeah. shouldn't be talking about this because it's not smart. It's not the best thing. And, and people, you know, it's, it's, it's sad how easily that ref that when when they say that to somebody in their family or or just to a person in younger their younger generation how it affects them and they and they oh, take yeah. it to heart and they go yeah uh, okay well yeah, yeah i'll be careful who i say it to you know they're mm. they're you know they don't want to they don't want to speak out and say i don't care i'm gonna say something this this needs yeah. to be said people need to be aware of this it doesn't yeah. happen that much and it should and that's yeah that's the Look, sad and you're, part is that, yeah. yeah and you're absolutely right and that's that's why like for me 
one of the biggest things that helped me throughout my recovery journey of, of, of you know, the re- recovery and, and building of, of the person I am today was hearing other people's stories and knowing that I wasn't alone. So I know how important it is to speak about yeah. it. And that's why I do. And if that makes people uncomfortable, if that makes people judge, you know, if that makes people not want to, you know, be connected to me anymore, then that's their problem. And that's one of the biggest yeah. things I've had to learn. And it comes back to what we spoke about at the start is around that I can't control how those people are going to react, but I know that what I'm doing is going to help people. So that will be what yeah. I'm going to do. Mm. Good. Yeah, exactly. Mm. I know. I'm, I think I have, a, I have a particular situation, you know, like I, there are people that I trust enough to, to say anything to, and then there are people who, you know, not so much. And it's it has nothing to do with their character or, or the person they are. It's just, you know, you know that they, it's not that kind of, you know, you can't just tell everybody. And I, someday, you know, maybe it won't be so hard to, to talk mm. about it with some people. But it's... Absolutely. And that's that's a lot of it too. When you think about it, is it's it's not as easy as just saying, "Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll bring it out and talk to everybody." <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's the good thing about having ADHD is that you know we will blurt things out sometimes, and actually that can be a very positive thing if we, you know yeah. if we um, if we shout about the right things. Um, you know, we can be incredibly persuasive and, and you know and, and very animated and get people's attention. So doing that in um, a positive way around something that needs to be addressed is a you know it's a really great attribute to have um so yeah yeah for sure it's it's too bad and like i i know that we i think society in general is probably oh how do i put it 50 years at least away from seeing oh yeah yeah, yeah, to the point where it's going to be a, a normal. I, I, I don't. I, I hate saying normalized, but I want to say like accepted as, as, oh, cancer. You know, like yeah, diabetes or like yeah, just you know, it's something that you have and it has to be treated, and that's yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and we we will get there. It's just mm. we have to we have to work on it, and yeah. it's. I, and I hate to say it, but it is a generational thing, and eventually yeah. we will, we will get there. Um, there's one thing yeah. I just want to show. Um, I've, I've been. I thought I had the photo, <laughs> and I guess somehow it's gone. But it's, it's a stat that is extr- it really interesting, and every time I've I've told people about this, they just are like holy smokes they they, mm. they they didn't realize how severe it was and how bad it really is but it's it is quite something this will be it and then i'll we, we can end the show here um yeah uh let me see there we go okay this is the stats on how much how many deaths are t- related to trauma and injury in the united states mm. to compare to other stats like cancer heart disease hiv diabetes you know like yeah 47 percent is trauma Mm, yeah and that's like that's injury related but that's also mental health 
Um, yeah. Like it's staggering. Yeah, and mm. that's the thing is because everybody it's everybody says that like heart disease is is number one or number two killer in in the United States, but they don't they don't look at trauma all the forms of trauma and a lot of it is is mental because yeah. even if when they survive these injuries they still a lot of them deal with the mental aspects of it mm. and yep, they don't ever yep. get help and and a mm. lot of doctors they don't really offer or suggest it even even if they're perfectly fine they never mm. they hardly ever say maybe you should see just I this has been a big thing this is traumatic maybe you should yeah. talk to a psychologist or a psychiatrist for a little bit and Correct. see maybe they can help and people should say yes because mm. if they don't it might not be immediate but months or years down the road it it's going to affect their their life and they know they won't yeah. even know they won't even necessarily yeah. realize and some people don't realize until it's too late and that's incredibly yeah. sad um, yeah, so that's why is, it's so important that yeah. we're moving in the direction that we are. Yeah, unfortunately. Mm. Oh, well, we're getting there. It is. It is. We are making progress. It's just going to take yeah. a lot of work and some changes. And and I think the the first step will be a leader, uh, whether it's a, an American president or a, a, a European yeah. president promoting and talking openly about mental health support until yeah. that's that'll be a big step because oh absolutely yeah that's something yeah. that is going to be required in order for yeah. it to really get move forward in this yeah absolutely okay excellent all right yeah. well that's it for the show um that was a really good discussion i'm so glad that we talked about this it was sorely needed uh, and it's an excellent way to end uh, adhd awareness month um i appreciate you coming on jess thank you for coming thank you so much for having me i uh yeah it was great thank you so much absolutely all right, everyone, um, this will definitely be rebroadcast and also will be part of my podcast show and uh, you can listen to it there. Uh, if you have any questions or any thoughts on this or you want to be a part of the show and talk about anything, just let me know. Um, you can contact me through Twitter or you can email me. Um, yeah. All right, everybody. That's it. Thanks, Jess. Uh, Thank you so much. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Thanks for coming on. Bye for now. Mm -hmm.